For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to My Big Break. Uh, here on the VOC Nation, we bring you these conversations with your favorite superstars from all over the world of pro wrestling. We're going to talk about their stories, climbing that hill, climbing that mountain, and getting to where they want to be. And We've got really an amazing, I, I think an amazing first chapter in what is going to be an amazing book uh, that will be our guest's career this week. You know her, um, you know her face, you know her voice, you know her by many names. Um, <laughs> she is here this week, Alyssa Marino. Hey, how are you? Hello, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. This is well, so exciting. Thanks, thanks for being here. Um, you are obviously no stranger to uh, being on the other side of things, uh, interviewing so many people. Um, but now we're going to turn the tables on you, so I hope you're ready for that. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> so we're, we spotlight so many different kinds of stories on this show about uh, people who've had goals and climbed those ladders and found their own unique journeys to get to those places. Um, and a lot of them are, are and will tend to be people who are kind of maybe in the second half of their careers, so to speak. Uh, they're looking back. They're looking back at what they know and they believe are their career highlights. For you, it's a little bit different because I think that what we're going to talk about is just the very first of what is going to be a lot of career highlights uh, yet to come for you, but still an amazing <laughs> story. Um, and I kind of started in the middle of your story a bit when the idea came to bring you on this show because it was actually uh, Letty Leonard, who many know as the voice of Evolve, the voice of the, uh, World uh, WNN, uh, who had posted on social media and he had posted this story about you and his respect for you and how you had come to an Evolve seminar at one point uh, on your own dime, on your own time, just making your way out essentially across the country. Um, not even really with a, a, a curriculum or a place for announcers at this uh, seminar or what you were looking to do, but just trying to shoehorn your way in there just to be seen, just to learn, just to grow, just to find an opportunity. And um, that says a lot to me about where your mind and your heart and your head has been your entire career leading up to, you know, even to this very day. Um, your love of pro wrestling. Uh, obvious, your love of being a part of pro wrestling, obvious. Where did that come from for you? So it's I have a very uh, different wrestling journey than I think a lot of people that 
are involved in pro wrestling. Uh, I watched when I was very, very little with my great grandfather. And, uh, and then I stopped for the longest time. And it wasn't until I actually uh, moved out to LA 2016, I really started kind of diving back in. And that was when I started kind of going through the catalog of, of everything that I had missed along the way. There were snippets here and there, but I wasn't as immersed as, as I was when I started watching again in 2016. And then it was just the, the, the crunch and, you know, I, I think I just wanted to explore everything I had a, a real thirst for for the knowledge and and the experiences that had that had happened already. So I wanted to kind of dive in and do all my research. What uh, brought you out to LA? Because at one point you were pursuing a career in opera. Is that right? So <laughs> I uh, I have been singing since I was very little, and I took voice lessons. I was all through high school. I majored in vocal performance in college and I, I did the auditions. I did little operas here and there. And I, I think I fell kind of out of love with it and then ended up transferring with my job, uh, just my, my regular retail office job. And, uh, I made my way out to LA where I kind of started getting involved in, in the wrestling world. Um, and I think it was just kind of that, that, want for an adventure, a change of scenery, something new, something I never thought I would ever do. Um, and and I think it made a world of difference. Did you have in the back of your mind at that time, because now it's on the table, a, a move to LA. I mean, how do you not think I'm kind of around the entertainment world right now? And in sort of a general way, was that in the back of your mind something I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't think it was something that was on the forefront of my mind. I think I just wanted a different experience. I, I wanted a different, I mean, climate, first of all, I was on, I was in Philadelphia. So I was like, Oh, climate, first of all. Um, I, I think I just really enjoyed the atmosphere I was in. Um, one of the first things I actually did out there was I took a class about writing comic books. I, I think I was just kind of playing around. I was at a very interesting point in my life where I just wanted to see what was, what was out there and what I could explore. Coming out to LA, I don't think that that was on the forefront of my mind. I think it was more so about just a change of environment, the change of scenery, a different atmosphere, different a different group of people, I guess. Um, I feel like the vibe in, in California was very different. I was born and raised in Philadelphia. The climate was definitely, <laughs> definitely a plus. So um, yeah, I think that while it wasn't something that, it wasn't something that I, went there with the intention of, I think it was always, I mean, it's something I've done since I was little. Like I did musical theater. I did all the, the, the acting. I did like a commercial when I was in first grade. Like I, I think it was something that I had an interest in, but I didn't go out there with that specific intention. So one of the first things I ended up doing when I, when I moved out there was I, I took a class at a comic book shop about writing a comic book. So it was just, I, I like to do creative things, but I don't think that necessarily the entertainment business was an intention of mine. And people don't realize, I mean, you know, you talked about how you were starting to uh, rekindle your passion for pro wrestling, so to speak. People don't realize how much wrestling is going on out there, right? I mean, it's a pretty uh, pretty uh, robust uh, scene. Absolutely. And I think that was something that was one of the most fun things. This was back, I mean, 2016, 2017, going to all the independent shows. And, and the atmosphere there was just so, it was it was amazing. And I, I think that that was really something that 
even propelled my interest further was I want to get into this. I want to, I want to be part of this. Is that what happened? You just started attending as a fan and then the more you saw it, like what was forming in your idea for exactly what you wanted to do with this? So when I initially got interested in it, I started thinking possibly wrestling, but I, I, I thought of a manager character and I thought of Kathy from Human Resources with her Midwestern accent and the death of fun, no high flying, no, uh, you know, nothing, nothing from the top rope. You, you know, there's all these rules and regulations. I just, I thought that that would be a really funny kind of killjoy character to bring to, and I was even thinking just to bring to SoCal, to bring to the wrestling scene there. And I was thinking in the back of my mind, maybe, maybe wrestling is something I would like to try. So I did a one day tryout at Santino Brothers Wrestling Academy and went through all the rolls and the bumps and uh, it was, it was very intense. It was very uh, eye opening as to what even an afternoon of that feels like. So, but we ended the, the one day tryout with cutting a promo. And that was where I, I felt the most at home. That was where it felt, it felt good. It felt right to me. And it's something I had been, you know, driving in the car, like doing little promos in my head and, uh, and finally getting the chance to do that in front of, you know, more than just myself in my rear view mirror was, uh, was really exciting. And then I, after the class or after the one day tryout, uh, I remember Joey chaos saying, Hey, we want to do a class that's just for managers, announcers, production. Uh, we'll let you like, we'll, we'll stay in touch and we'll let you know when that happens. And I think three months later, they ended up doing the manager class that I, I got to be a part of at Santino Brothers. Awesome. That's awesome. So you knew right then, this is my path. This is sort of what I want to do at this point. And then it obviously blossomed from there into a lot of different things. It, it, 100%. I think I went in with the intention of doing the manager role. And I did it for a while, just at independent shows. And then as soon as I got the opportunity to do the, you know, backstage correspondent, do the interviews, to starting to do commentary. The manager character kind of fell to the wayside because I realized I was enjoying more driving everyone's storylines as opposed to just my wrestlers or just my own. I wanted to be part of the bigger picture. Now, when in the independent scene, especially when you're young and you're hungry and you're just so excited about being able to just do what you do. Uh, you kind of a, a lot of times just want to get out there and work everywhere, uh, be anywhere you can. Was that sort of your mentality there? Because there were so many places even in the area that you could get involved with. And was it just kind of immersing yourself in the, in the culture, so to speak, getting to know people and finding opportunities to do different things everywhere? 100%. I think a, a lot of the time it was, you know, one of the things we always talk about at Santino's is about having respect, uh, going and making yourself available, get in where you kind of can fit in. So a lot of the time I would go to help set up or go to do ring crew. And one of the things they always say is just always bring your gear. So I always, I always was prepared in case anything were to happen. And there, there were times where I would go to a show with the intention of just helping to set up and tear down. And I remember one of the first times going to championship wrestling from Hollywood was a, a group of us from the manager class went and we went with the intention, Hey, we're going to, we're going to help with the ring, cool beans. And 
after we get done setting up the ring, they're starting to do the backstage, uh, like pre-taped interviews. And I, I forget who, I, I, I want to say it was Jeremy Marcus, who now is a referee for New Japan. He was one of our referee trainers at Santino Brothers. He had asked me, is that something you, you're like interested in doing? I, I said, absolutely. And I think I, again, it was just that I was so hungry and I wanted to try everything. I wanted to learn everything. So I was like, yes, yes, yes. I'll just say yes. So I, I had come from working the night before. So I still had my work blouse in the car. So I put on, I was like, okay, I got my blouse. Like, let's go, let's go. And uh, it just kind of happened that I got to do a little uh, backstage interview audition there. So it was just so much of it was happenstance and just being in the right place and, and more so being there with the intention of helping out the production as opposed to going with the intention of, oh, I'm going to do commentary at this show, at least in the beginning. Right, right. It, it seems almost like in a really vague way, it almost seems similar to the mentality of, growing your brand or growing your audience through social media, um, you know, being involved with a lot of communities and groups and things like that, but not necessarily going in to promote or sell yourself, but to be sort of a genuine part of the scene and to be someone that people look to as um, someone valuable to be around. And then suddenly you were everywhere. <laughs> How busy were you? It's so funny. I think in the moments I was, I was having bookings every weekend, but it still didn't feel like enough. I think I, I know I'm my, my worst critic. So I was always, you know, comparing like, oh, well, I could be doing more. And what about this? And what about that? So it, it took a while to kind of reel myself back in and realize like, hey, you're busy. You're doing a good, you're doing okay. <laughs> so um, yeah, but there would be, there would be weeks where, it would be maybe a, a, a show on a Thursday night uh, and then a Saturday night and then a Sunday all day taping at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. And those were the weeks that I loved. I loved that I had that that kind of stuff to, to look forward to. So it was uh, it was it was definitely it was definitely fun. And just like you said, kind of wanting to be everywhere. So go going to Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor in 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 Vegas with friends from, from Santino Brothers with the intention of, again, going to help out with Ring Crew and it turning into, hey, this is a, a, a two-day thing on the second day, you know, we might we might be able to have you on a dark match. And I ended up being on the broadcast with, uh, it was Bateman versus Jake Atlas at Death Before Dishonor. And that was something that, again, didn't realize it was going to happen, but just went with the the intention of just wanting to help out and, yeah, it just kind of happened. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, you mentioned championship wrestling from Hollywood. I think I think that promotion and everything that they've done is almost one of wrestling's best kept secrets because not enough people realize uh, the level of quality of, of the production, of everything that they've accomplished, even you know as far as syndication and just getting the content out there. How valuable was the experience of being part of that? Uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood, I think, is one of the biggest learning experiences that I got to have. Uh, I, I started working there. I don't think I'd even finished the manager class. So I was doing the Santino brothers manager class, but then also on weekends, you know, maybe once or twice a month, I was able to be immersed in a television production. And I think that that was really just such a valuable experience of getting to pe pick people's brains, getting to 
just kind of peek in on the on the production room and I, I I tell the story one of I think the wildest moments was we did the the red carpet rumble and sitting in on just the madness that was happening in that production room and I I think it was the most stressful you know 50 minutes of my life but I I wasn't even doing anything I was just just the it, I think it was just something so incredible about watching the inner workings and uh and it was definitely something I think that I always have had an interest in and like I said it's just for me always about learning so everything about that from getting to actually do interviews to sitting in in the back I think was fantastic and the track record speaks for itself because you're one of several people who on the broadcasting side um microphone in hand who were able to go on and have opportunities to work with uh, the WWE family with NXT. Uh, do you think that, I mean, we'll talk about the story of how that happened momentarily, but do you think that experience um, and just sort of the level of, of being involved with that sort of production is what was so universally impressive and was able to be sort of a big conduit to getting that opportunity? Uh, I I do think so. I think that uh, I think that being able to show that I had a familiarity with a television production, uh, a lot of what I was doing with backstage interviewing was thinking on my feet and being able to um, put together a compelling story. Uh, I definitely think it was all stuff that that played into making me a a good candidate for you know, for the live, the live host opportunity that I, that I had. So when you look at even the past three, four, five years beyond, you know, most of my lifetime, certainly, uh, you know, watching and paying attention to uh, WWE, what you find is that that broadcast team, what they look for in an announcer or somebody of, you know, somebody that's part of the broadcast team, it's often somebody from outside of the world of wrestling, right? Like there's so many sportscasters who come in. There's so many, you know, we've seen people from proper journalism come in, if that's the correct term. Um, and maybe even sometimes it's, you know, people who back in the day who've come in through the diva search or people who've come in through the system that they've decided to kind of push towards that interviewing role or announcing role. Uh, you coming from this place of passion, from this path that's so directly, um, you know, part of the, the pro wrestling world to now, you know, try to get into that sort of pinnacle product of, uh, of professional wrestling. It makes all the sense in the world. It's just not how it's been done for such a long time. What do you think changed about that? How did, um, how did, you, how do you think that affected you? And again, you know, several people from championship wrestling from uh, Florida had that same opportunity it's such a cool change, but did you feel like there was sort of a different approach based on, you know, how you'd known them to approach things in the past? Yeah, I I can't really speak on what they, you know, have done in the past, but I think that one of the biggest catalysts for, uh, at least from my experience, was one of my biggest mentors there, uh, Alicia Taylor, who, uh, the ring announcer for NXT, She's actually, it's actually really funny. Our paths didn't cross while we were both in SoCal, but she was very in, immersed in the uh, independent scene out there. Uh, she did heavy wrestle TV, which was um, like she would do 
interviews as well. So I think that it was something where having that vibe and having that influence, I think made a difference in, at least I can speak to the vibe that I felt while being part of the company for sure. That's really great. So how, how did that opportunity actually come about for you? And what was, what was sort of the length of that process from, you know, from start to finish and to the, you know, arriving into Orlando? So, um, I, I actually ended up filling out a, uh, like a profile on the career site and, and, and kind of went from there. I think that something that helped was how involved I was in the scene in Southern California. So I, I don't know if my, if my name had gone around or anything like that, but, um, I ended up having a, like an audition in, I think it was in October. And then I moved in January of, of 2020. So it was, it was definitely a process, but I, you know, uh, I got to have the experience of flying out to Orlando in October, uh, you know, working on things in the, in the ring, as far as ring announcing and, um, like different things that I would do in the role as a live event host. So not necessarily stuff with, um, with announcing uh, a little bit of backstage interviewing, but definitely the, the focus was on the, the live event hosting and the ring announcing. So as far as the audition, they bring you out to the performance center directly. For, for me, and I did get to go, I was out in the performance center for, for mine in, uh, in 2019. Okay. And then um, like what kind of things, do they, because we've heard so much about, you know, wrestlers and the things they have to go through with different tryouts and things like that. But when you're an announcer and you're on your own and they're bringing you out, are they just kind of putting you through the paces? I mean, we've even heard the old school story about, you know, here, sell us the top, that sort of thing. Did you, did you have to do any of that? I, I didn't have to do that. Uh, it, it was more so, uh, like I said, for the live event hosting, it was a lot of focus on ring announcing. So that was really what it was mostly focused on. And then what happened after that process? You, you know, you go, you go home, you have to wait to hear something, I assume. And yeah. How long was that wait? I actually don't remember how long, how long the wait was. <laughs> uh, it honestly, everything, it out. I, I think everything from October to, to January just felt like a kind of a whirlwind. So um, I actually can't remember how, how long it, it took for me to find out, but yeah, I, I, I just remember that uh, it was like a process to then start kind of planning a cross-country move. So I think everything kind of went into that as opposed to actually, uh, yeah, having any kind of sense of time. <laughs> you know, we skipped an important step in the story, of course, which is going back to the beginning. We talked about uh, that moment in time where you went to that Evolve seminar. Um, now, as the story goes, as we said, you kind of said you were going for what you, you had said you wanted to go as a manager when you weren't actually looking to necessarily do that. You were trying to get in the door essentially. Um, but your heart was in the right place. <laughs> How was that received once you got there? So, uh, luckily it was received well. <laughs> so, and, and to, to be fair, I, I, I went to the seminar with the intention of, they said, uh, wrestlers, referees and managers. I said, hey, you know what? Worst case scenario, I brought my Kathy from HR get up. I was like, I can I can do it again. I can resurrect Kathy from HR. I can that's possible. Um, 
so it was actually uh, Tommaso Ciampa who gave the the seminar, gave a you know lecture, walked through a lot of things with with the wrestlers and and with everyone in attendance. And I remember one of the things he said was do something because we were going to do uh, like practice match or we were going to do matches. And he said, do things that showcase your best work. You know, don't don't try and do something beyond what you normally would do. Be be 100 percent you and, and present what you do. So I start getting into my captain from HR get up. And I'm going around. I'm like, okay, I gotta. Um, I have to find uh, someone to manage. And I'm the only one there from LA, so I don't know. I don't know anybody. And you know, I've been talking with a couple of people there, but I started going up. I'm like, hey, you guys, uh, any Do you guys need a manager for your match? No, okay. Hey, do you guys need a manager for? Your- oh, you have one. Okay. Um, and I started getting nervous. I'm like, oh no, I didn't come all the way out here to not be able to, to, to do anything. Uh, so, so I, had, I go up to Champa. I was like, Hey, so I know that you said that we should do and present who we are and what we do. I don't do this. I'm an announcer. I'm a commentator. Is there any way that I can do commentary for, for the practice matches? I can, I can just record it. And then, you know, just so I can do what I do. And he turned, he turned to a, uh, I forget who it was that was that he was talking to. He's like, can she do that? Yeah, you can do that. I was like, okay. <laughs> so, and it was, it was, I think it was one of those things where it was the first time that I had really taken a chance on myself and said, Hey, let's just, let's just see what happens. And, um, and luckily it, it went well. And he put me in touch with, uh, Trevin Adams. And then Trevin said, uh, you know, Lenny Leonard is going to be doing, commentary for the show they were actually doing an evolved show that night and he's like when Lenny gets here you know I'll, I'll introduce you and you can kind of pick his brain and that I think was one of like the the shining moments of of the seminar for me too was actually getting to sit down with Lenny and gosh just ask him all the questions in the world <laughs> and uh and it was it was fantastic and again one of those things where not expecting anything from it, but I was able to call the the dark match of the show with Trevin Adams uh, and 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 have that experience as as part of of this seminar. So it was it was wild, and it was again something I I didn't know what to expect going into it, and probably had all the anxiety in the world because I didn't know what to expect going into it, but uh, ended up being a really really incredible experience. And of course, it led to. Well, I, I don't know how directly it led to NXT, but certainly it uh, was part of that journey. Yeah. Um, and now you're on a whole different level. You know, you're you're in NXT at this point of the story, and you'd already been through the experience of some level of working with TV production and such uh, out in Hollywood. But how different was this? How much of a learning curve was there once you actually officially arrived at the Performance Center and made that leap? I definitely think it's just a, for me, I think it was so polished and so professional and it was just felt like, okay, I'm on, I'm on a a new level. I need to, you know, um, I think I had bad habits of like ring announcing on the independent scene. So it was even just, Hey, I gotta like be aware of my, my posture and, and how I'm, I'm, I'm announcing as opposed to 
not, not I, I think it was something where I, I wanted to make sure that I was presenting the company in, in a good way. And I, I think it was something not necessarily that I had to learn, but I think I had to make myself mindful of, but, but yeah, it just definitely felt like, okay, you're, you're, you're here now. Like, come on, <laughs> get it together. <laughs> you know, and you know, obviously the world kind of shut down at some point and that kind of derailed things for a lot of people, yourself included during your time with NXT. Would you say that you found your groove? Would you say that you got to a point where you felt like your head was firmly above water and you were confident and comfortable with where you were? I was, I feel like I was right there. I was getting there for sure. It's, I think it's like anything. It's like you said, a learning curve. It's, it's adjustment and uh, yeah, kind of finding your footing. And I think I was just about to get there. <laughs> now, of course, what we're alluding to is the fact that, you know, with the pandemic, a lot of moves were made, a lot of changes happened within the company, and unfortunately, a lot of people um, at that point uh, had to say goodbye to the company at that moment. In time. Um, did you see it coming? I mean, everything happened so fast last year yeah. that, I, I mean, do you have any idea how long the, this situation with the pandemic might last and affect the business? and affect you directly? I don't think anybody did. So I think that I, it's one of these situations where I think I have never felt more go with the flow than I have in 2020, or it's just like, oh, this is happening. All right, cool. Oh, that's happening now. Okay, cool. Oh, this is still, ha all right, fine. So I think it, yeah, I don't think anyone could have anticipated. Well, how, I mean, considering the rationale behind I mean, obviously, this is a this this isn't necessarily a, a finger being pointed right at you. This is a situation that's bigger than all of us—a situation that cannot be controlled. Um, but still, to an extent, it's got to be an emotional uh, uh, moment in time for for you and your career and your life. How did you take it? How were you able to roll with the punches a little bit? I I think so. Um, I think putting it in the perspective of. It, it, it's, this is a global thing. This is so much more than just me, you know? So uh, I think using the opportunity to do productive things and keep my mind busy was one of the biggest helps. And then, you know, resurrecting Let's Get Serial was I think one of the big things that, that kind of got me, I think it was one of the big things that kept me motivated to, hey, I have a show to do. I have to produce new content every week. Hey, I have to, oh, what cereal am I going to do now? It was just so much more things that I could, that I could do to lift my spirits, lift the spirits of people that were watching, of, of, of fans of the show, I think. It, I think that was one of the, the big helps. And, and I think that's such a cool part of this chapter of your story again, also because you were so used to being so busy. I'm sure your NXT time, busy, uh, you know, all day, every day. But even before then, you know, you just go back to your weeks and months and years of, you know, working nonstop for 18 different promotions and, you know, contributing content here, flying around over to the other side of the country there. Um, and now none of it's going on because especially uh, going back to last year, 
everything was shut down. So, you know, there's no live events for you to be at. There's nowhere for you to go. But instead of, you know, just curling up into a ball and crying for the last year, you turned your attention back to your content and you were able to kind of create a new path for yourself. Um, and that's awesome. And, and like you said, I think it, it, it not only would have helped you and your mental and emotional state, so to speak, but so many others who have now come to watch it depend on you, just like we've, just like we've done for so many people who've turned this direction and created content that has helped us get through all this. Do you, do you feel the, the weight of that as far as um, interaction with those who are watching and listening and who are appreciating what you're doing? Uh, to me, I don't think it feels like a, a weight or a responsibility, but it feels like an honor to, to be able to, okay, if I'm part of somebody's Saturday morning that, you know, I, I've said it before. It's like, hey, if you don't have someone to eat breakfast with while you're, you know, quarantined alone at home, let's eat. You're eating breakfast with me, you know, so let's have a little, a little, yeah, a little interaction. Let's get cereal. Hashtag let's get cereal. Hashtag let's get cereal. <laughs> for those who don't know the show, they have not yet checked it out for whatever reason that might be. Tell them exactly what goes on here because it's kind of exactly like what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't beat around the bush. It is definitely, it is what it is. So it, um, I try out different cereals and I talk about stuff. Sometimes I just go off on little stories or nostalgia, different memories. And, uh, Oftentimes I'll bring on someone from the pro wrestling world just to kind of have a little chat, talk to them about, you know, when they were a kid, I feel like cereal is such a nostalgic thing. And I feel like sports entertainment is also a pretty nostalgic thing for a lot of us. So um, yeah, I think it's just an opportunity to, to sit down, have a chat and, and just think about things that aren't really our, our current situation. Just think about, you know, the good old days. That's awesome. That's amazing. You know, for now, um, all of you can get your fix uh, of Alyssa uh, on this show on Let's Get Cereal. And hopefully in the months to come, as we go on, we're going to be seeing you once again back in a lot more places, a.k.a. everywhere like we did before. And uh, we can't wait to see what happens next on your journey. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. Rock and Roll Union and North Step Productions, in conjunction with Boo Ray Atlantic City, proudly present Jersey Shore Jam 2, May 15th. Featuring As We Become Ghosts and Rat Rod. It's been a long, cold winter, and now it's time to rock. Also appearing, the Rock and Roll Union house band Shades of Grey, playing all of your favorites from the 60s to now. All COVID regulations will be in place. Tickets are available at eventbrite.com and are extremely limited, so get them before they run out. Doors open at 6 and showtime is at 7. Rat Rod, As We Become Ghosts, and Shades of Grey. Jersey Shore Jam 2, May 15th at Boo Ray, 201 South New York Avenue, Atlantic City. Did I mention there's free parking? Don't miss it. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists, and more. We have excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 
6 p.m. Eastern, vocnation.com. Since 2012, HIC Talk Radio has been bringing you the best of independent wrestling and wrestling on the worldwide scale with interviews and other segments now featuring the Wrestling Historian with Craig Legon every Thursday night at 6 p.m. at vocnation.com or go to your Android or iPhone and type in VOC Nation and subscribe to the greatest wrestling podcast network in the world. Listen to HIC Wrestling Podcast today. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course In The Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. Hola, this is your amiga, Shelly from Cali. To let you know, you can catch me here on VOC Nation for Shelly Live. You never know what the hell I'm going to be talking about. Sometimes I have guests. Sometimes I let you on in the cheese mess, spill a little tea. Sometimes I cry. You have to tune in to find out why. And I also take your calls. I love chatting with you guys and seeing what the hell you guys are thinking. So meet me here on the VOC Nation. Be there or be square. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.